Welcome to Underlords Radio Hour. Hello there, friends, and welcome to another episode of Underlords Radio Hour. I'm your host, Josh, and on the phone, I got my friend Brian. Howdy. How are you today? I'm swell, man. Yeah, good. Good. So we are continuing to uh, plumb the depths of our novel, Underlords of the Overworld, uh, book one, Origins of the Damned. And um, yeah. I, I believe we're in chapter nine, and we're going to be uh, covering the second part of the chapter today. Yes, this is about the world tour, when the band has uh, traversed the planet with, uh, with their rock and roll goodness. Yep. Rock and roll. So, and if you listen to the previous episode, things are they're they're getting wacky out there on the road for these guys. Well, it's a wild story. The story itself falls under the genre of fantasy or horror or you know, with all the things we love. So it is definitely things are getting a little bit amped up. Yeah. So let's 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 hear how this chapter uh, wraps up, shall we? Let's do it, and I'll do the reading. August 10, Hong Kong, China. Sunlight danced off the waters of Kowloon Bay as U.S. naval ships chugged in and out of Victoria Harbor on training maneuvers. Even the macabre events that transpired during last night's performance at the cavernous subterranean Komodo Lotus Club couldn't dispel the sense of calm that accompanied morning in the Orient. Hong Kong was the final stop on the tour, and with the exception of Justin, The bandmates were eager for a break. There she is, midshipman Andrew Damon said, nodding toward a bulky gray ship docked in one of the nearby berths. USS Caloosahatchee. Been my home for the last 18 months. Nice, Brian replied. He paused to swallow a mouthful of pink and gray tendrils he'd fished out of the carton with chopsticks. And good call on the squid. Amazing. You should try this, Josh. The bass player said nothing, just made a face, and took a sip of coffee. Nothing like cold squid in the morning, Andrew emptied the contents of his own carton, making sure to lick the remaining bits of juice from his mustache before tossing it into a nearby garbage can. He still wore the same pressed white naval uniform from when the band first met him a mere eight hours ago, one of the few Americans enjoying the Underworld set. And despite the sleepless night, he appeared completely sharp and alert. He stood straight and at attention, with keen eyes focused on the two bandmates. So, not to be an asshole or anything, but what the hell happened last night? Brian laughed it off. Like what? Am I crazy, or was that a real dragon? Josh looked away uncomfortably. Must have been a costume, Brian said. You know, like you see in parades around here. Andrew nodded, but clearly wasn't buying it. Yeah, that's what I thought at first. And I wasn't really drinking last night, so it wasn't the booze. But I swear it ate that guy. You know, the little guy in the business suit who was taking all the pictures. Well, these things happen from time to time, Josh muttered before Brian elbowed him in the ribs. Sensing the awkwardness, Andrew leveled a knowing stare at Josh and Brian. Don't worry, fellas. 
The Navy's taken me around the world a few times. I've seen some things myself. And rock and roll can be one freaky business. He paused to inspect the front and back cover of his Hell Comes in Small Packages CD. Nice show last night. You guys really kicked some ass. Except your drummer was a little out of sync with the rest of you, and his fills were a bit excessive for my taste. Josh looked around nervously, half expecting to find Justin skulking within earshot, despite the fact that the drummer had vanished the minute after their set came to a close. Uh, so you play? Drums? Yeah, I've got a small kit on the ship. Nothing fancy. Used to play pretty seriously before enlisting. Jammed with Pat Travers a few times back home in Miami. Going to get back to music when I get out of the Navy. Pat Travers? No shit. You should look us up, Brian said. Maybe we can jam sometime. Andrew chuckled. You guys are really from Iowa? Des Moines, Josh replied absently. You fellas ought to come down to Florida. That's where the real scene is. You guys would be huge. The clubs are great and the chicks are smoking hot. Doesn't sound like our typical audience, Josh mumbled. We play to a more traditional metal crowd, Brian said. I can see that, Andy replied. Well, guys, shore leave is officially over for me. Duty calls. Thanks again for the CD. I'll definitely give it a listen. Brian extended a hand. Cool. Thanks for coming out to see us last night. Let us know when you get out of the... Navy, Andrew said. Yep. Next time I'm in Iowa, I'll make it a point to look you up. Maybe we can get together and jam. So, where is he? Justin asked impatiently while leaning over the counter at Vinyl Destination. He was taller than before, but only because of the snakeskin cowboy boots that elevated him an additional three inches upon their heels. His new, long, red leather coat had fringed tassels that fluttered from the sleeves as Justin crossed his arms. Behind thick, horn-rimmed glasses, the young Asian woman barely looked up from the latest issue of The Atlantic. Sorry, who are you guys again? Like you don't know, Justin said as he turned away with a sniff, allowing Brian to step in and try to resolve the situation. Final destination had changed considerably since the last time they'd been in nearly three months before. Shelves of records had been replaced by racks of CDs. Gone were the Deep Purple, Judas Priest, and Crocus posters, replaced by R.E.M., The Smiths, The Cure, and 10,000 Maniacs. Oh, Underlords of the Overworld, the girl exclaimed. Linus did mention you guys. Any chance he's around? Brian asked as Justin strutted triumphantly back to the counter. We just got back in town today. Around? No. He took off after he hired me to run this place. Calls every once in a while. Justin resumed his position, leaning over the counter. Well, where is he? Chagrin crossed the girl's face. How would I know? I just work here. Bullshit! Maybe he's in back, Justin said, taking a few steps toward the beaded curtain. He's not there, she said quickly. But I think you left an envelope for you. It's here somewhere. Well, find it, Justin barked. Brian raised his palms. Be cool, man, just... Be cool. Cool, right, Justin muttered and snatched the ornate silver envelope as soon as the girl retrieved it from one of the drawers. Ripping into it, he barely noticed the flap was sealed by a dollop of red wax. Yanking the single page from the envelope, Justin and Brian leaned together to read the carefully printed, almost dainty, cursive script on the page. 
Greetings, Underlords. Welcome home, and congratulations on completing your first tour. You may be aware that Boris and I were in frequent contact over the past few months, and he was, for the most part, very complimentary of how you handled the pressure of being on the road. Now, don't let his gruff facade fool you. He truly has the heart of a kitten. More important, by now you've heard of my rather dramatic absence. Kindly forgive the theatrics. I assure you, it's all for the best. Full disclosure, I'm currently in the process of closing a major deal that will take the underlords of the overworld from being a mere up-and-coming act into the stratosphere of superstardom. Rest assured, we're on the brink, my friends. Now, in the meantime, I've taken measures to ensure that you are kept in a comfortable manner. Yasko, the young lady in my employ, has all the details you'll need. Yes, I'm aware she seems disorganized, but don't worry. She's a pharmacy major at the university, and therefore sharp as a tack. So enjoy your break, but don't get lazy. Continue to rehearse and start writing songs for the next album, and be ready to move quickly as soon as I return, which, by my calculations, will be sooner than later. Always remember that the gateway to fame swings quickly, but only once. Yours, etc. Velour. P.S. Shame on me. I forgot to mention one small fly in the ointment. There's an enemy in our midst, a man who wants to undermine all of your hard work and destroy the underlords of the overworld. Don't be fooled. He'll claim to be a friend, but try and pit you against each other. In fact, he may have already made contact with you, in which case I must insist that you dismiss any further efforts on his part to influence your thinking. To do otherwise would be a direct betrayal of me and your fellow bandmates. You've been warned, so choose wisely. Oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, was, <laughs> you know me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, I, I I I got a question. Okay, sure. Um, there's a new character introduced here, Andrew yeah. Damon. Andrew Damon, yes, new character. Uh, it's it's we'll call it a a, a cameo, a pre cameo, perhaps. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so we maybe haven't seen the last of of Mr. Damon. In uh, in this yeah. epic story, yeah, he kind of provides, I think, like a hint of normalcy. It's like you've you've got these guys on the road experiencing these really strange, unnerving experiences as they play to various audiences around the world, and then it's like this guy Andrew Damon. He's on shore leave. He's in the navy, and he just happens to go to one of these shows, and he he meets up with. Uh, a few of the guys, uh, Josh and uh, and Brian, Brian uh, uh, yeah, yeah, and then but Justin's not there in this scene. Justin's kind of starting to he's starting to kind of be a little more elusive. Yeah, he's definitely peeling way. off from the other three bandmates, which is you know a growing uh, theme in the story. Yeah, yeah. So this, so a- a- Andrew's just kind of like yeah, kind of some weird stuff last night, but. Yeah, you guys are good. I like your album. I like your your show. Whatever. Yeah, and and so, interestingly, yeah. he he it's mentioned that he plays drums. 
So we'll just kind of have to see what happens there. Let that simmer. Simmer. Okay. Okay. So then they 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 leave uh, the tour to go back home, and they go back to Vinyl Destination, the record store that that is run by their manager, Linus Velour, and he's not there. And other things aren't there. I mean, the, the store is a little different. The music selection is not quite the same. Yeah, the whole uh-huh. appearance. So the the store at this point, and again, this is this is always kind of a, a, a you know a theme. You know, this is a story of the times, late '80s, and that was when the transition to CDs took place. And we've referenced it once because they put their album, The Underlords, put their album out on CD, and so at this point they go back, and there's no more vinyl. It's all CDs, and even you know there's a new person working there um, that Velour has employed. And the yeah, whole cool. look and feel of the store has changed to kind of alternative bands like The Cure and R.E.M. And and that was an interesting pivot because, again, if you remember the times, that was something that was really going on was, you know, metal bands and hard rock bands, the ones we grew up on, were coming out of vogue. And it was more coming into this world of alternative rock. You know, though, to, to, to that point, um, while... Yeah, harder rock, progressive rock are, are kind of the mainstays for for both of us. We also, I mean, we didn't turn our nose up at, um, you know, a lot of the alternative bands. As a matter of fact, I mean, you, I, you were a huge R.E.M. fan. I was, a, I was a fan before yeah. they became big. Yeah, I, I was, I, I think they kind of suffered when they became really popular. But I, there was a lot of alternative rock that I was really, and to this day, I'm still kind of into it. Um, I still pull out my old REM albums. I listen to a band called Game Theory, which was a great alternative band. Um, the Church was another one. There was a lot of alternative music of the times that I really liked. And it was always a little weird for me because, you know, my friends were still kind of into metal and hard rock and prog. And I was getting into kind of this weird alternative music. And I remember a few times having people kind of look down their nose at me for some of my musical choices. Well, you know, I didn't really get REM. You know, and I, I'm one of those that, like, when they became big, it was it's just hard to ignore them. And, and they became so huge. It's oh, like, yeah. This is so weird that this, this strange band is so popular. Um and it's kind of funny because I, I you know, I, I tried to listen to the the, the album uh, Monster yeah. a couple of years ago, and it's like that. I didn't. That's not good. I mean, I like yeah, maybe it did. I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't in the right headspace. But it, when it came out, I liked it. But looking back on it, I don't. Yeah. Say I, reconstruction of the fables or fables of the reconstruction, which however it's titled. That album is really, really good. That's a Desert Island album for me. And and I think that the thing I would say about kind of the alternative rock, and even that label has become so overused and hackneyed, if you will. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it was really great up until a point. And then at some point, college radio or alternative rock or whatever you want to call it, hit the mainstream. And, and I just found that a lot of that music just... The best of it, you know, the bands that I liked, like the REM of the of the before they got popular and Game Theory and bands like Guadalcanal Diary, you know, those bands, they just didn't really live and survive into the music, the genre that they really made great 
they kind of didn't survive into it, particularly bands like Game Theory and Guadalcanal Diary, which if you've never heard of them, you should check out both bands. They're fantastic bands. And R.E.M. did survive, but to your point, what they became in that mainstream kind of attention, to me, it's just not that great. You know, having said that, though, looking back on those albums that they did, even when they were huge, there's still pretty left-field stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. just... It, it yeah. was just like the times. It was kind of like people were so tired of like, I don't know, the, the poisons and the Bon Jovi's, and <laughs> oh, yeah. people were looking for something a little, a little more organic and different. And um, you know, and, and they provided it. And yeah. I think that, that you also get the same thing more like in the so-called grunge era, which I, I, I think the, the term grunge comes from. Um, just media outlets trying to find a name, you know, for, for what, what was happening. But, you know, bands like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and whatnot yeah. would come out, you know, in the early 90s, you know, not long, not long after. Um, well, I mean, what we're really starting, what we're, what we're really starting to get into is talking about how music is commodified to make it marketable and slapping a label on it and defining the sound and saying, you know, as a band, you need to sound more like this because this is what's popular. I mean, that's really, unfortunately, what happens in the industry. And, and I think that, you know, it, it just takes away a lot of the cre- natural creativity. Well, and now that you mentioned that, it, 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 that, takes back, that takes me back to the story. Yeah. Because the, you have the change in how music is disseminated, going from vinyl to this more, you know, the digital, the CD thing, which we know ultimately leads to streaming. Yeah. Um, and you have the, the change in musical styles and how then the the record industry latches on and tries to commodify and, 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 and you know, um, and, and the Underlords band trying to tour off their first album and trying to become big, um, it looks on this. It looks at this point in the story like they're having some success, but then they're coming back to this world that they don't really know. And I mean, even their manager's not there. They have yeah. This, there's this young gal, for a university student, who's working. At Pharmacy the Things are things are changing. They're different. Um, and will will uh, the Underlords be able to sustain themselves through these changes? I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of where it leaves us. Uh, it, and, and I think that it, it the, the chapter technically leaves off with a letter that, that this young lady gives them from the lure, basically saying, welcome back from your tour. Um, great job. I'm getting ready to take this band to the next level. I'm, I'm working on some deals. So that's all very promising and good. And he's saying, hey, you know, don't get lazy. Start working on new songs. Keep rehearsing. But then, in the postscript, or PS, as it's kind of known, he says, hey, there's a, I forgot to mention, there's an enemy in our midst. And I thought that, you know, that's kind of a bit of a cliffhanger. Because who's this enemy that they're talking about? You know, someone who's going to try to turn you against each other and, and do not listen to this person. So he's, he's kind of referring to this potential threat that's out there. Oh yeah. That threat. Do we want to name them? Ah, uh, sure. Let's talk about it. Who who do we think that is? Well, I think if you're if you're if you've been listening to this story, I think you could easily point to uh, Dale Babbitt. 
Dale Babbitt has come back around. One-time tormentor of the Underlords. Disgraced after the Halloween pageant. And now he comes back. And has been showing up again. Uh, Yeah, showing up and and, and particularly um, contacting Brent. And warning Brent. So Babbitt has come back to warn Brent about... You know what the band is is, is getting into, um, and now Valour is warning the band that somebody else, maybe it's Babbitt, that is trying to interject. So there, there's some competition here, I think, for um, for influence over the band. Um, it also kind of strikes me: um, is it possible that um, he could have been referring to Justin? Well, we've been, we've already talked about how Justin is, the character has been going through some changes and uh, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, again, peeling off from the other three members of the band. So we can definitely see that there's some drama there with that. So we will only know yeah. if we keep going forward in we the must, story, right? We must press on. We must press on. So we'll pick up with the next chapter and see... Uh, where this goes yeah let's do it all right well as always to our listener our listeners thank you for tuning in we hope you're enjoying this and uh stay tuned for our next episode of the podcast